0: Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. And we are here today with a special guest. Yeah. We are here with the Member of Parliament for Calgary Nose Hill, Michelle Rumpel. Hey. Hi, welcome. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. And on location. I'm also scared. Uh Uh Oh no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, so we're on location. Yeah. In your office. And uh we're here today to talk to you about feminism, intersectionality, and Mm. politics. And no uh, big deal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just some light fluffy women's issues. Exactly. (laughs) casual Monday. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, I like fluffy women's issues. <laughs> oh, my <out> God.
0: <laughs> no big deal. <laughs>
2: um, so
0: before we get started, we just want to ask you to give a bit of a, an introduction to yourself, um, your kind of background, and what kind of brought you here to Ottawa, since you're not from here. Sure, it's a great question. Uh, I was born in Winnipeg. I uh,
3: put myself through school. I have a degree in economics. I worked full-time basically the whole time I went to university. I got married really young. Um, put my husband, ex-husband through school. Um, So, you know, really had an experience of being young and in the workforce in a professional job. And uh, during that whole period, I was always reflecting on an experience that I had when I was actually late in high school. I come from an apolitical family. Like my family was never involved in politics and politics wasn't really something that was featured prominently in the discourse in our house. But I had a member of parliament come to my high school and give this really like profoundly disappointing speech and he was a liberal and I always say that this one MP was like the reason (laughs) that I actually ended up entering politics as a conservative Um, but it just it made me realize how close we are in Canada to our elected representatives and how one person can get involved and make a difference for good or for bad and so I always had this like desire to be involved in the political process. So I, I joined uh, one of the legacy parties um, that the Conservative Party is, is made out of when I was very young. Uh, when I moved to Alberta in 2004, I moved for work for my career. Uh, I was... Uh, I had finished my my career in Manitoba with my degree, but I was also at a pretty senior position at the University of Manitoba working in its uh, intellectual property management department, so helping to commercialize university research. Uh, Did work at the University of Calgary for a little bit. uh, Ended up in a management consulting firm. uh, And then prior to entering politics, the last uh, position that I held was I managed um, most of the University of Calgary-sponsored research portfolio Uh, with some intersection with its intellectual property portfolio as well. During that time, I had been volunteering in the party, like, constantly. I actually was taking vacation time to run (laughs) political campaigns, like, because that's what any normal person does with their vacation time. Um, But I really developed um, a lot of talent in running campaigns, in understanding how the policy development process worked, uh, by the time I was 27 years old, I was co-chairing the Conservative Party's National Policy Development Committee. I had managed several campaigns uh, that were very successful, and uh, I was also the president of a writing association. So how I came to Ottawa was on, I think it was November 4th, 2010, I got a phone call that Jim Prentice was retiring from pet federal politics, and I was, had actually been considering uh, taking a job in Montreal at the time. And uh, I just had f- several people say, you know, you've worked really hard as an activist and as a volunteer in the party. Why don't you run? And it was one of those times. Where it's like, well, I haven't accomplished enough in my career and I'm too young and the excuses. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I had a few women say we're never going to have more women in office unless we have more women putting the name on the ballot. So I never did. A right time. And there's never that is a great. Myth actually, mm-hmm. like that there's a perfect time, and that's just not true mm-hmm. um but i I did seek the nomination, which was for a conservative seat in Calgary, like I don't know, some sort of weird <laughs> video game of like <laughs> mortal Kombat. <Yeah. laughs> um uh, but a very positive experience, and it teed me up well and in I was actually I think I was three days away from a by election being called in the riding when the government fell in twenty eleven uh on the budget mm-hmm. and so i think you know this is a little behind the scenes detail i think i was the only person in ottawa i was in ottawa for my candidate pictures i think i was the only person in ottawa that was like the government fell yes because i didn't have to go to a by-election right. I, so I, I could never say that of course no, but i was no. like oh i don't have to go because by elections so stressful yeah. right uh-huh. um but uh, then general election happened, and I've been here since with a crazy journey. So there's mm-hmm. me in a nutshell.
0: Cool. Uh, and you're also a sommelier. Yeah. And yeah. A pianist.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So random, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Crazy.
3: Yeah. That was. Um. I. I. I was very heavily involved in the arts, uh, for a good chunk of my life, and uh, I just decided when I went into university, especially after. I, I had this amazing opportunity at the University of Manitoba when I was really young. I was 18 years old, and I was called in to be a temp, like a, a secretarial pool temp at the mm-hmm. Department of Biochemistry and Medical Genetics, Super which random. is so random, right? Yeah. Um, but the it was granting season, and there was this one doctor who um, was a world-renowned breast cancer researcher, a biochemist, mm-hmm. and she just kind of hang hung out with me a little bit, and the department had hung out with me and let me ask questions and help me with their grant help Mm. help them out with their grant applications I turned out to be pretty good at it Mm. they kept me around um, but uh, so I decided to not go into the arts but I almost went into the arts I almost uh, took a performance degree in piano that was something that was very interesting to me so I've always sort of carried that but now I'm here so (laughs) life takes you in strange (laughs) paths but yeah
2: that's why you show up yeah you always show up like, just in general. What do you mean by that? Like, just. I mean, like, a lot of people will, will hold themselves back and they'll, they'll be like, oh, there's nothing there for me. Uh, na, 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 na. And, you know, it was funny. I was, I was giving a speech the other day and I'm like, I have two suggestions for you that will take care of a lot of life. You show up and you follow up. Hmm. Some people just get opportunities because they just showed up. And they fit the minimum criteria. Not you. I'm not saying yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no. But in general,
3: I, like, do you think that there are a gender? There's a gender conversation
2: to be had. In yes. There? Like, because I. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, the the audience was mostly women.
3: Yeah. Like, I I think that I think that's really profound, and it's a different message than something that I think is a little simplistic, like or, or almost negative, like this lean in message. It's mm-hmm. more. Um, feeling entitled to opportunities and worthy and capable of being able to follow through with them right it's
2: the follow through yeah
3: and not being not pigeonholing yourself into what you think you have to be or what life has conditioned you to be Mm -hmm. right right yeah right Mm
2: -hmm. or what you think other people think you should be yeah I agree yeah
1: I actually think the the first question that we have queued up like links really well with this um so in 2015, you famously tweeted um, as you were running or about running for party leader and lamenting uh, that at tw- 35, uh, this you know you weren't supposed to uh, do these sorts of things and saying uh, I'm too brash, uh, impetuous, uh, and abrasive, right? Maybe I should have a little, maybe I should take a little time. Good things come to those weight. I'm a bit too aggressive. Maybe the base won't understand me. Maybe I need to prove myself a little bit more. Um, and so like the myth that you were kind of like, ahead,
3: You know, that's a great point. So uh, it, just as preface to this, I think it's important to like sometimes when you show up and sometimes when you follow up, you actually lose or, you know, when you sure. risk. and I think that we don't value taking risk and failing enough. And I know that's mm-hmm. something a lot of people talk about, but like no, I like lost big, like totally, that those yeah. tweets were made. We lost big. Yeah. Right. And there's a whole emo- series of emotions that you go through in that. And so, you know, a lot of other people around me had lost and everybody's, you know, sort of sorting this out in their mm. mind and they do that by sending stuff to you, right? Um, before I get to the tweets, uh, like <laughs> the reason why that stuff really cheesed me off, like receiving that those comments from people like, well, you better not be thinking about running for leader, mm. like it's not your time, blah, blah, blah. Um, when I was at the, one of my employers, I won't say which one, um, I had done, I had taken i had greatly exceeded the expectations for my job like greatly Mm. exceeded it like i love how unapologetic you are exceeded (laughs) it like to the point of like amazing and i walked into my performance review that year and i was like how much money am i getting it's gonna be a lot because Mm. you have to pay me for what i did wow And I went in there, and I was already. and so they, you know, I just remember going through this performance review, and it was like, yeah, you did this, wow, you crushed that, awesome, 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 awesome. And I'm like, okay, well, like where's my raise? <laughs> They're like, well, good things come to those who wait. And I'm oh, like, what? No. No, I don't think so. No. Mama needs a new pair of <laughs> shoes. And, <laughs> and, you know, I...
2: Red bottoms! You know, and that
3: was, and I just, I had, I just remember, I think you can react several ways in that scenario mm-hmm. and it's not uh, sometimes as pointed as that, but I just had this like, kill Bill, like red, like mm-hmm. seeing yeah, red yeah, moment yeah. Where yeah. and I was like, no, no. And, you know, I walked out with a raise, but, um, the uh, th- so so fast forward to this, and I'm like, it's happening again, <laughs> you know. And I I I just was like, I'm not having any of this. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, you know, sort of to publicly say no. And for and I really think thought that at that part point in time, given that you know our party had was the party of Stephen Harper, that was really important to have a, a huge diversity of candidates get into the leadership race so it would be more about ideas, vision, and, and whether or not somebody had the skill set to do mm-hmm. that rather than to be about, like, well, we need a woman or we need a guy sure. or can't be from Alberta or has to be from Ontario. Yeah. Or yeah. someone
1: who's owed their due after however many years. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Like, make it about ideas rather yeah. than pigeonholing people. And so that was, you know, the, the space that I came from. Mm. But, um, yeah, it was – that was a very – at some point – when I write a book, that will definitely be a couple of chapters. Mm. Was the forty-eight hour period uh, in October 2015? That's for sure. Hmm.
2: Well, I like your statement about taking losses, taking L's, and like I don't think like I don't think people realize how important it is to take your losses. And to actually experience your losses because how else are you going to learn?
1: Especially in politics where the first few runs you have inevitably you're not going to be successful like all i do true. is
3: win 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 i don't know I'm kidding <laughs> well you're
1: right you do is. as a conservative in alberta maybe have a better shot as a first, like starting out but i mean and for most people running they're running in unelect like unwinnable quote unquote, let's riding. talk about
3: that can we talk <laughs> about that we can why yeah.
1: do we run women as fence posts uh, i know we just
3: I
0: hate that talk we about just talked about it in upcoming podcast okay so I, we won't spot
3: we're with <laughs> you though we're with you yeah like
0: they call it the glass cliff
3: yeah, and and so I like you know, I knew that running was a possibility, so I purposely was like, okay, I'm going to cultivate the riding that I'm going to win in and I'm going to create the conditions for winning. And I, I want to push back a little bit on that because I don't think you have to go into politics saying I need to take an L. I mm-hmm. think you need to create the w- you should be you should be going in creating a condition for a win. And then yeah. if you've done everything that you can to create a condition for a win and then, you know, there's a wave or something happens, but this is where you know i i firmly oppose women being run as fence posts in non-winnable seats just to get statistics like that mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. not cool at all because it actually i think like it there's this perception that you have to lose and and i like i mean yeah loss is something that happens when you take a risk But I I do think that it is also possible to say, I want that seat. It's totally winnable. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create the conditions for a win and I'm going to do it.
2: Yeah. But I was, when I say taking L's, I mean like you got to, you know, like feel it, learn from it if that's the way it turns out. Sure. That's a great point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, in other words, if you lost, it's not the end of the world. It's not like you're a failure. It's not like you're an awful person. And that's, like, we as women internalize that a lot. Hmm. Yeah, we take it very personally. We take it very personally because we're so um, taught, we're taught to be likable. And if we lose, there's this kind of idea that we're not likable and that that should be, like, our ultimate goal.
3: And tying it back to the the front end, mm-hmm. like s- show up, follow up. Mm-hmm. There is uh, there is skill in showing up after a loss. That's yeah. the hardest part yeah. to show yeah. up. Yeah, because there's learning. But that's
2: taking your L. It is. Yeah. yeah like
3: the it's it's like when you lose, you just you know like you want to curl up and just go away. But um, you know you talk about being likable. I I remember on the evening of the loss in 2015. Um, because uh, Harper was a Calgary MP, he they did the national coverage in Calgary, so it was like the entire national mm. media pool, mm. and I had to go to the convention center. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> go to the convention <laughs> yeah. center. Yeah. Um, so we went, and I remember walking in, and he had just finished his concession speech, and he was walking off, and then, like, it was, I, I'll always remember this moment. He was walking off the stage, and it was like, the entire cameras just like turned around and I had just timed it. I was just walking in. <laughs> oh it was I like boom, right? <laughs> and all of these mics, like the most mics I've ever seen in my life, in my face going, What are you going it was the question was, What are you going to do? And the first thing that came to my mind was find my voice. So this is what I it was mm-hmm. one of the first few times I've just blurted something out mm. on camera. And uh that was my, you know, that not being liked. I, I do not seek to be liked. Mm-hmm. I seek to do what's right when I can. You're never going to bat a thousand, but like I just do not like being liked. Is not something that, um, is that is not what I'm managing to. And if I'd it happens along the way, that's great, but that is not my yeah, metric. You'd
0: rather be respected than liked, yeah, or even feared. Right. Sure,
3: <laughs> <You> yeah. Know, <laughs> some, like, because and I that sounds glib, but I mean those two things are sometimes intertwined like in terms of people not mm-hmm. I, I mean that in the context of people not taking advantage of you right yes. that there's consequence to being taken advantage of
1: yep so what's uh your political future look like then for you um having like run in the leadership and probably I did not run in the leadership well, I yeah. sat out S- yeah
3: yeah um that, and that was a, a, a an interesting position I, I, I mean I I think in politics, you have to take things one day at a time. And I do think that you have to, th- no matter what your role is as a, when you're elected, like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a cabinet minister or this or that. The first step is understanding that you, your first responsibility is to your, your local writing mm-hmm. because uniformly when you watch people fail in politics, they forget that principle. Mm-hmm. They forget about that. So for me, that's mm-hmm. like the f- inner core of yeah. the Venn diagram is yeah. being a really good local MP mm. And then from there, once you've got that covered, um, and how that works, it's, that's what affects where your future goes. So I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, I would like to see our party form government. That's what I'm focused on right now. And then, you know, that's, that's, that's the day by day sort of thing that you take. But I have a lot of policy initiatives that I'm also working on that um, I think will make me a better representative Mm -hmm. by furthering. So that's, you know, I li- and I, I don't know if that's an answer you'd get from a guy, right? Maybe it would be. I don't know. I don't want to make presumption. But to me, it really is about public service first. And then mm-hmm. your leadership, your um, y- the portfolios that you have, how you represent your community, that all follows when you have mm-hmm. those priorities straight. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. It—it <laughs> I- It is frustrating when people talk about um, individuals as being the future of the party or like, uh, you know, a... Future leader without really focusing on the issues and then looking to appearance or how someone carries themselves as being the kind of only marker of that without looking at are they doing the work it's a great point yeah. it's a great point uh, something we've been tracking um, because it's a big election year in the states and in Canada um, and Ontario specifically are um, I guess kind of encouraging more women and how people are encouraging more women to run I've written a lot about that in terms of municipal politics but also provincially as well as well um, as like people of color, getting more people of color, women of color to run. Um, I wonder if you've uh, given thought to some of the, b- and you maybe could share with us what you've s- noticed as being the barriers that exist for for women and and um, kind of people historically being out who are outsiders to the p- political stage, um, getting you in there.
3: Like, I mean, for me, I, I'm 38 this year, so I've been doing this for 20 years now, mm-hmm. right? And a lot has changed in that time period. And I think for me, looking back to my youth, I sound so old, <laughs> um, is that uh, step one is there has to be role models, mm-hmm. right? So the more the g- people that are visible in these roles, the more that others can identify with them and say, this is something for me. So that's yeah. step, like, and I know that sounds like chicken and the egg, but I think what has changed for me is that there are more Mm women um you know uh, of all stripe of all background that are visible Mm -hmm. and and owning their space and showing up and that's important in terms of barriers childcare and childbearing is always going to be uh, like uh, like that it's just the reality like I mean I don't have kids I've made a purposeful decision not to have kids because Mm -hmm. I really don't know how I would maintain this pace like especially I as a that. western especially <laughs> sure. as a western MP. Yeah. Like yeah, those I, flights are brutal. Well, I mean, like I got in at two AM. I was on a plane for like twelve hours this weekend mm-hmm. in the car for eight of them. Wow. You know, we've been working fourteen hour days here. It's just yeah. I I, my focus is my work right now and this is where the lean in message like you know the mm-hmm. sort of like you can have it all like it really bothers me because it's like I can't I have it all I absolutely
2: hate that I do too <laughs> because it, it makes me feel so inadequate like it, and it's so like entitled too if you really think about it yeah. like we 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 can't like just in general in life you can't have it all at the same time you just can't
3: I, I agree and and so th- the question becomes now that we have more women in we're not like obviously not a parody mm-hmm. um, but ho- it, it's a question I want to look at the question of child rearing from a slightly and child care from a slightly different perspective which is um, do like is especially f- like for Western Canadian MPs and, and MPs that are far away from Ottawa where travel is a big barrier um, like can you actually have a kid and be in parliament if you don't have a partner who's willing to give up their job and, and travel with you or if you're privileged enough to have, you know, be able to afford childcare or right. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and if so, like, like is, is federal politics always going to be the bastion of either childless women, women whose kids are gone or mm-hmm. like out like of the age, house, yeah, yeah. um, or really young moms yeah. that like, you know, you, y- can cart your kid around for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, and they're not in school. And they're not in school. Like the really the, the tough window. And I mean, I don't have a mom, so you might want to have a mom who works here say this. But to me, just watching from afar, it's kind of that like rate right pre kindergarten through mm-hmm. like you know where you can't move your yeah kids just around. like sixteen
1: years out of a woman's life where she <laughs> yeah <laughs> <I> <laughs> and, it's and not but
3: like nothing. look at that like you've got young yeah. moms you've got super like moms with super young kids. Um, there's not a lot of women in parliament that have school-aged kids mm-hmm. that are from. i don't think i can't think of one that are from like western canada that would mm-hmm. have school-aged kids
1: that's really i know I i'm
3: I not haven't sure thought about it that way but i think you you might so that's yeah, a really huge barrier yeah. 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 yeah.
2: and imagine imagine those ideas from that perspective that we're missing
3: yeah like so i don't like i like that's just mm-hmm. listing the barrier i don't know what the answer is but mm-hmm. i think we need to talk about it i i think some of the things we started off at the front end it's like women self-deselecting because they don't think that they're qualified or it's the right time or this or that. Those are, I have never heard a guy that I've asked to run to, you know, or, or have expressed wanting to me to say, say that it's uh, uniformly you know, th- I'm not sure I might want to go and do a little bit more education or, and it's just not this like I-, I- like, I love to see women hungry and I think that is changing. You're starting to see women realize that it is their space and you're starting to see women get more hungry um, and you know, um, I could go on and on. I mean, I am in a prison. I'm in a position of privilege. I had, you know, I lucked in. T- I didn't come from a rich family or anything like that. I paid my way through school, but I've always had the privilege of having good opportunities. Mm-hmm being able i didn't have kids so i was able to network and and do all of that work that you need to build Mm -hmm. a political network in a safe seat completely so like uh, you know i'm stepping back and saying well if i had had kids when i was young um i wouldn't have had the time necessarily to go out and network and volunteer on campaigns and build that stuff so and use your vacation in the way that you did exactly so so that that is a privilege how do we get women from you know perhaps poverty
2: demographics to be able to run right Um, that's a really good question yeah how do we do that and I I feel as though like most of or a lot of the um MPs they're they're like you said because of the age range they've either had their career or they're young enough they're uh, like they're yeah seven to ten year of their career exactly Exactly. So, I mean, I I think that's a a brilliant point. I just don't know what we do to fix it beyond like obviously there are policies and, and stuff that we could come up with. But how do we get women from the lower economic classes to even think they can run? Because that's a barrier, too. I think
3: political parties have to be very purposeful at the riding association level in identifying women in those demographics and inviting them into the political process.
0: I, I do wonder if some of it has to do with the jurisdictions because if you are of a lower income, you might be more interested in local or provincial politics because those issues impact you in a much more direct, personal way.
3: I mean, and I, I might, I might even deconstruct things further and say, just even knowledge, having the time to be knowledgeable about politics, is a privileged position too, right? I mean, uh, when I go door knocking in my riding, especially in the lower income parts of it, and I'm, you know, talking with single moms and stuff, they're like, "Look, look I, I can't talk to you right now because my kid's like in the bathtub and everything's going mm-hmm. mental." So, you know, and I've, that's legit, right? Um, so, I think that it's even more basic than that. It's like, it's a question of how, how do we ensure that civic discourse is inclusive of women from 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 all walks of life and I think that that's like just even our language and, and how we're communicating it's something I don't like I haven't been perfect on but it's something that's in my head so that nobody like how do we make it more inclusive and and I, I don't even think we've answered that question adequately in Canada
2: oh no 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 I I honestly am just tired of seeing, like, I, I just am tired of seeing the privileged class all the time. And it just, because at the end of the day, the ideas that we're talking about, the ideas that we want to see, the diversity of ideas are not going to come from one class. But we've seemed to have built this, like, structure where you have to be of a certain income level to even y- – don't you have so to – It's it's like the people who use most of the
1: federal benefits, for example, yeah. aren't the ones sitting in the House of Commons or aren't exactly. the people running, right? But like some of them should actually be. actually depend on the like – safeguards that are in place for example i mean among other things yeah because don't you even have to
2: like own land to be a senator Did
0: they do away with that i think uh, it's
2: still on the books i, I think pres- <laughs> I, it's i think it's still on the books
0: people always joke about it on but, my facebook feed. but
1: you're right i mean it's who's in the room who's invited mm-hmm. to be in the room by by writing associations um, and how we talk about them as well i mean like even what working class candidates like when ruth ellen Brousseau won like i mean on a whim she's she wasn't awesome recruited actually. she's amazing but the way the media talked about her was so like dismissive because she was a you know nothing weight like in um, air quotes like scare scare quotes here yeah like, like
3: i mean and to like i mean the the circumstance of her win right i, I mean that's part of it like you know she was a surprise win but mm-hmm. nonetheless she, she was she put her name on the ballot and she yeah. won her seat right she
2: She showed up. Like, I mean, for (laughs) me,
3: I I think we have to be careful about sort of making, like, assumptions writ large and boil it down to, for me, it's about, uh, uh, you know, you asked about barriers. Mm -hmm. To me, it's barriers to equality of opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, know, like, you can't equalize. We're never going to be able to equalize society with government. I just don't think that it's about removing barriers so that when people want to make the choice to show up. That they are able to mm-hmm. and 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 to me that's really where the conversation needs to start but no I mean like civic discourse I, I, you do not have a quality of opportunity for civic discourse in Canada people might argue and make say it is but there, I mean th- th- I, I could make a pretty compelling argument on the other side too so mm-hmm. talking about those barriers saying how we talking about policy how we remove them that's where partisanship, you know, uh, that's th- it's h- is healthy as you talk about different ways to to address that, mm-hmm. but you're still acknowledging that there's something
1: that needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to switch gears a little bit, um, sort of on on the issue of barriers, but from a more specific topical pers- uh, like take on sexual harassment on mm-hmm. the Hill, um, which I'm sure you've talked about at length, and of course we know a lot of the things you've said publicly, but just to delve into that a bit um you know this issue's gotten into the mainstream consciousness um thanks to the me too movement but a long time coming um for for folks on the hill um a number of stories have detailed that the culture here in Ottawa um is particularly toxic you've taken an outspoken position both about the about your own party and and uh, more broadly um i th- i guess what i want to ask is given the emphasis on party loyalty in Canada we kind of have a very um unique adherence to party loyalty has this been a difficult topic for you to talk about and particularly in calling out maybe fellow caucus members or what the conservative party has done
3: again it's going back to that um respect and fear and not being like like i just i'm at the point in my career where i just don't care anymore like it's is this right Mm -hmm. and like you want to go like and i have to say there are a lot of people in my party and all parties that are very interested in this like this isn't i don't want to paint a picture that like nobody's listening, no one's caring, because, I, I, like, you You see movement in mm-hmm. all of the parties on this. Absolutely. And I've when I go and talk to people in my leadership team, especially now, um, you know, there's a lot of cognizance for it. But at the same time, uh, I think that there's also respect for the fact that I am not going to be quiet on this issue. You know, in fact, I even had a colleague very, you know, bluntly say to me, and in a positive way, like, this is your experience, and mm. it's your right to speak to it, mm. right, however you see fit, um so uh, not that i needed v- validation <laughs> but um uh, it's more Support of a sign helps <laughs> um, it's nice to hear yeah but it, it i think it's i say that more of a sign that um like w- we often this conversation becomes like uh, you know the term i have a friend who uses it victim porn where it's just like talking about all of these incidences and that's important mm-hmm. but i think for the purposes of this podcast like there has been movement this year mm-hmm. like there's definitely been movement it's not perfect there's a lot to do it's not totally equitable but but mm-hmm. there is I think at this point like a cognizance of how important it is to deal with this and a commitment to seeing the culture change how that happened you know cultures the culture here changes every four years because you get new people mm-hmm. and different power structures but I I have I have lived through a very interesting period like over the last seven years here mm-hmm. and I've act today I feel hopeful. Okay. But that's fun. only uh, you know it's not something you can sit back you on. You yeah, have to keep, rest keep on your yep. laurels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You got to keep pushing.
1: Yeah. Um, what are some of the things the Conservative Party ha- has done specifically to address this that you can kind of let, yeah, us, in, well let us know?
3: Yeah. Well, I know our. Um, uh, our leader has undertaken an investigation uh, on a couple of the incidences mm-hmm. that I spoke to in the big speech that mm-hmm. I gave in in the House. That's very positive, which everyone should watch. You know, I uh, impactful and, and you know he did that really quickly, um, which I was very pleased about. Mm-hmm. You know, we're 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 keenly participating in the process of building upon the uh, harassment code mm-hmm. and implementing it within our own mm-hmm. party governance. Uh, that's that's that rests there for parliament hill and that's something that some people might not understand is there's like the code for the hill and then there's the code for your party and uh, i know that our um, the deputy leader of our party lisa wright this is something she's really passionate about she's working on this with a few of my colleagues Um, i've been very excited to see that like the colleagues my caucus colleagues in my party they've all been taking the mandatory harassment training like no complaints you know, really engaged in that. And like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I'm I'm not trying to be partisan here. I would be very honest on this. I've Mm. tried to be very honest. I've, it's not going to be perfect. There's always going to be things that happen, but I feel like, I do feel like the culture, like this was such a big shock. Mm. Um, The next thing, you know, and I'd like to get your your take on this because this is something I'm struggling with. What's lacking on the Hill right now Mm. is... I don't think we have a process for t- how do you deal with vexatious complaints or false complaints. Mm. And this is a tough subject. It's, nobody wants to talk about it. But I do you worry... you think there's a problem with that? I, I worry that the conditions in, in politics are different than the conditions in, uh, let's say, a corporation. Pr- because you can use these things for political gain. And I'm not saying they d- do all the time. Let me finish. <laughs> what saying. I worry about is if there are high-profile yeah. cases where they're vexatious, that it actually does the opposite and it discourages women from coming forward. And Mm -hmm. I I hear that talking about, I don't know. So I'm putting this out to you Mm because you guys, you know, you talk about this sort of stuff and I'm more curious. I don't really have a... How do we talk about this? And you because mean I don't want to perpetuate right. the myth that you know everybody like we do need to believe people, but we've seen some pretty high profile cases yeah. where people are Look, tried in the media. I, yeah, and and sorry, just to be no, just ahead.
0: to be explicit, you're talking about towards like allegations against an a member of parliament, yeah.
3: or or let's or, let's or like a whatever or, or a okay, party yeah, staffer, or right? Okay. I mean, there's been a couple yeah. high profile cases where you know people have been removed from caucus without even knowing. Yes, what the accusations right. were like, how do you that's the so knee
2: jerk reaction, but
3: but yeah, so like so how I'll, do you deal with that balance, right? I'll g- like
1: I'll give you like my sense like sense of this as someone who represents employees who have had sure. allegations against them and also like the other side of it. So I think i I've, I've given some thought to this and, and your point is well taken that sometimes these things may happen. Or some and the other thing I like to brace people for is that sometimes allegations will not come to fruition like an investigation won't always get you the ultimate outcome it doesn't mean that the underlying allegation is necessarily untrue it just means that the evidence was inconclusive and that doesn't take away from the pro the process or you know real accounts that do come forward or or claims that are actually more substantiated um, I think we have like a an obsession with all of these things be like resulting in someone getting fired or resulting in this ultimate penalty a resolution there's a spectrum of conduct as well right um so people expecting you know an allegation to necessarily result in like the end of someone's political career because that's salacious and fun for us to watch or shows that the allegation is so serious and forceful that it should have been taken seriously. They're not all like that. Some of it is just like run of the mill daily sexism that we all face that we're finally gonna hold people to account for and they may get a light slap on the wrist and that may be all that's warranted in the circumstance it may be unfounded. It may there may m- there may be no witnesses. Maybe no one wants to come forward. So
3: I'll ask a different way: like, how do we prevent this stuff from being tried in the court of public opinion rather than through a like a, a process? Right? Like, uh, let's 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 but take away like you yeah. know the other hyper. Let's let's look at there is a female member of parliament who is the leader of a political party who is going yeah. through a process. You know, there's some allegations against her, mm. and so she's been you know she's being tried in the court of public opinion. Um, you know they're not sexual harassment but there are other types of allegations Uh, like so she's she's taken on water regardless of what happens right like how do you like i don't want to be arguing for
1: no and i'm not saying that you are i'm just i guess what i'm trying to say is that people need to be ready for all sorts of outcomes and make this less of a political thing and more about how do we improve how do we do that how do we improve spaces well, you need a process that you can trust. Right. And I think sure. that's the big thing that we're missing right now. Amen. And employees yes. on the Hill in general, so whether it's sexual harassment or day to day harassment, yeah. like have there's no protection for them mm. and there's no and, you know, MPs aren't trained to be managers. You had that kind of a background, but most people don't come with that background, nor do we want everyone to have had manage a staff of however many people folks will come from all different sorts of disciplines and professional careers. As they should, because as they, they represent should, the fabric of the But we don't country. train them as employee, employers, which is mm-hmm. what they are when they come to the Hill. Mm-hmm. And the parties don't, like, do a good job of imparting that. A, and they take advantage of, part, like, political activists, party activists, who will do anything for the party, will do anything for the party name, who, again, the sense of loyalty and partisanship is, like, hell to be this, like you know, the number one characteristic that you bring with you to everything. It's the thing that's going to get you referred for future jobs and any, you know, right. So just management, training, just management training and and looking at people like as employees with rights the way they would be anywhere else. And it's instead of like, you know, this party activists that you can like or volunteer which is kind of how people look at staffers sometimes in a sense like you're you will do like you're here to do anything because we know we know that you believe in our party i'd like staffers to be more
2: empowered to be honest like for sure and i i really think i i think staffers no offense
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, My so staff I'm, would like never. They would tell. I think they'd
1: they'd be like, uh, uh-uh, uh. But <laughs> we'll get her on the mic later. Yeah. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. So I I think that um, the the relative power differential is a lot of the problem. And so may perhaps mm-hmm. if we empowered staffers or allowed them to, um to gain sort of of I don't know how. It like it could be through the process and I'm saying staffers here because we were just talking about staffers mm-hmm. for example. Um but yeah, the the relative power structure as it stands is a problem. And it's a problem both ways because on one hand, um you know, the 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 person who has felt harassment can't really come forward unless they say bye Ottawa and bye to all my dreams and hopes and mm. everything <laughs> and you know sounds so sad I <laughs> 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 you know and um, but on the other hand speaking to your point I think that we we need to have some sort of we should start with a process and have a benchmark
3: could I try and tie your and Amy's <laughs> points together because sure. I think they intersect really well. Yeah, and that is like I'm just sitting here thinking like this is what you would get out of like a 360 degree performance review, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know,
2: okay, well, so no. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> like because like the one of the
3: things. So you know, I've spent my my 30s in 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 here, mm-hmm. and I left a senior management role, and that, that was one of the things that I really valued was I was getting really like my my entire 20s right I was getting really good solid constructive leadership feedback Mm -hmm. and when I came here like I mean I was I was the CEO of a government department I was a cabinet minister and all of a sudden that just stops right and you don't I think that we, we actually to your point about process it's not just the complaints process it's like that mentorship and how so rather than it being the only time you're communicating up the food chain as a staffer is in in a complaint system why won't we what we should maybe make it proactive and and talk about i am well, here know, for 360
2: reviews, degree yeah. like performance reviews and i'm here for it pr- basically because you need feedback too
3: absolutely otherwise i stagnate right? exactly that's actually one of my biggest fears and like like whenever i go okay like should i keep doing this is like i don't i worry that sometimes that I pr- i'm professionally stagnating because, like, like uh, somebody at my, my age with my, my career trajectory, like, I would have had that senior-level executive mentorship mm-hmm. for the last seven years. And now, s- sure, like, I worked with the Prime Minister of Canada. I had a lot of – you know, I did have a lot of feedback. I worked with a deputy minister who was – she was just awesome. But, I mean, like, that was very informal and ad hoc. Um, you know, putting some structure around that, I think – I try with my staff to give them as much management coaching as I can, but it's not, again, like I could definitely do a better job of making that more structured, and right?
0: The, uh, Alison Lode and Michael McMillan wrote about this um, in the tragedy in the Commons in their book about basically MPs, new MPs, come to the Hill and they just flounder. They're given a, a budget for their Ottawa office, for their constituency office, and they're just like, how do I manage this? How do I get a house? What do I do with all these things? And I think it, yeah, like I think like you said that Takes people a while to adjust to this new lifestyle, and it comes to the detriment of their staff and and them their their career really yeah yeah. Um, so just kind of switching things up, um, getting really basic. Do you identify as a feminist?
3: Yes, I, I would say yes. Um, but I want to I want to qualify that because I think that this has been um, a question that. I- how, when, when Sometimes when people hear that question, are you a feminist, it, it now translates into like, are you a socialist or do you like, yeah. you know, and, and so what I would say is I believe in the equality of opportunity of women. Like to me, if I was going to define what that means, it's as a feminist, I believe that women should have equality of opportunity and that we should be striving to remove barriers of opportunity. Uh, uh, that prevent women from having a quality of opportunity. My policy bent would definitely be more conservative on how to get there. But I think that's where like that question it's become like it it, to me when I hear it, it's like, do you vote NDP? Right. Right. Do you subscribe to a certain political um, subset of policy on how to achieve that end goal? And this is where I do think that it's important to have like, there are some people who are just like, do not believe that. But I yeah. do think that that and I think it's important to acknowledge that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important to acknowledge that we have not achieved equality of opportunity for yeah. women. Um, but where I think we need to have a diversity of a policy opinion is because that, you know, when you get dogmatic on how to and you never question the best way to get somewhere, y- things stagnate. Right. So, you know, people will say to me, like, oh, how can a conservative be a feminist? That's bananas. It's, you know, I, I kind of talk about it that way. Um, so my hope is that by by qualifying these sorts of things, saying, like, look, I, I, I am a woman. I do not believe that equality of opportunity has been achieved, certainly not globally. I think we've made strides in Canada, but there's, we're definitely not there yet hmm. across the board. Here is how I would address some of these barriers. And they would definitely be more of a, you know, right-of-center approach. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't want equality for right. women, right. right? Or that I vote NDP. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, like, I I, I just... I, I mean, I, I hope I, you vote I, for yourself. I'm really glad you asked me that. I'm really glad you... Yeah, you know, I wonder who I'm voting for. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: have, have you always been a feminist, or is this something you've kind of grown into? You
3: know, I, I just... Like, I didn't... I was born in 1980, so I had this like I, I, I'm technically, I guess, if you look at the gen or the generations, I'm I'm a technically a millennial, but I was raised sort of being socialized to like still be like a good housewife, mm. but also at the same time socialized to like have a career. So it's mm. like you talk to women who are my age, and they're just like, what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. um, Where to and begin, uh, yeah. so, so, like, have I always been a feminist? I, I think that. Um, it's sort of been this journey of discovery on the bar- through the barriers that I've, you know, enc- mm-hmm. encountered, both, you know, in terms of uh, managing a career and a relationship and, like, valuing emotional labor and explaining to a partner, you know, like, hey, like, why am I doing the housework all by myself, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, like, so, so it, it has been a journey, but it's not something, like, I think now... it's something that's like and I'd be curious to hear what your experience has been it's something that's taught more you know it's more in the forefront whereas more it's more just been like my own experience over time so I would say no I I don't think I have and I've also not experienced like sexism or barriers in the same way at different points in my life so I would say it's been a journey of discovery for sure
0: yeah I think that I mean, obviously, none of us in this room are parents at <laughs> at present, um, but I think that yeah, we were all born in the '80s, and I think that you were taught feminist principles very broadly, most likely, but it's not in a very concerted effort as it is now. You know, sure, everyone's like, oh, we have to have all the feminist books for our child. We have to have, you know. All these gender-neutral toys, and they have to have make sure that they can know that they can do whatever they want. And I think that when we were kids, it was more just like, "Yeah, just go play, do go have fun." I was at a friend's house,
3: and somebody gave her daughter this um, sparkly. I sent you a snap of it. Sorry, I'm looking at my stuff. <laughs> this sparkly pink vacuum cleaner for her <gasps> two-year-old daughter, and it was so it was so funny because the reaction in the room was like th- it was literally like this, <gasps> right? <laughs> And it was so cringy. Whereas, like, even five years ago, yeah, that wouldn't, wouldn't have been, have been, that, been that way. way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you would have been the exception had you like said anything. <laughs> yeah. Like that, yeah, yeah.
3: It was like, let me just take that, and put it over <laughs> here. <laughs> I you know, just had
1: a flashback. I think I had a toy vacuum cleaner. I'm I know I did. Right
3: now, <laughs> I had like the house set, <laughs> and, and it, there's it, nothing the wrong kitchen,
1: with that. It's I just loved. like yeah. it's like if that's all you're getting. Yeah, I had Lego
2: too. Right, so I remember my parents sending so obviously my um journey to feminism i always say my mom's the first feminist i ever knew and she's she's a conservative Uh-oh. you know <laughs> you know and so but she was always the outspoken she was always outspoken and she wasn't even the outspoken one in her family this is the scary thing always outspoken always opinionated my dad said to me the other day why is being opinionated such a pejorative term for a woman Mm. in, yeah. And um, this is from my dad. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's, it's true. And um, because in, I used to work for the public service in the public service. That's when I really, really saw it. Mm. Mm. And you know, where, where even women would be like, you're so opinionated Mm. and you're just like, really? What year? Oh, I see. With from your hair, what year you're in? Anyway, but the point is, is that um, for 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 me, I had to navigate an intersection, Mm -hmm. right? And so my journey through feminism is different. And um, I would say that, as you say, I didn't experience feminism or or systematic barriers to entry the same way Mm. i was always the smart kid the educated kid um compared to other to others i have a sort of privileged background Mm -hmm. too um you know i went to university have a master's did all that but still i wasn't good enough Mm. and i did everything that society tells you that you should Mm -hmm. do and I was still wasn't. What does that
3: mean? Like, 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 what does not good enough mean? It
2: means. It means when I got to the public service, my first year and a half was great, and then I moved to a different department, and it just changed. I got zero mentorship, zero training. Um, I was always told how to behave. Um, I was always told that I was too opinionated, too loud, too this. And those are all, like, terms that we use to silence women. And um, while there, I, um, I really saw how systematically women were left behind. Mm-hmm. And how the men had a bro culture in this in this department and there were no women who were uh, could be a part of that culture so they were always second-class citizens when it came to doling out money for example for training Mm. is one way um especially french training
3: did you feel like you could like raise this with a supervisor or i did OK.
2: And what was your experience? Oh, OK, I don't want to make not, you like talk about it, but used to work in the public. Got yes, it. I, okay. said I used you know, you to work. To there. Okay. OK. Let's just say after that, uh, I left quite soon after that. Got it. Because that's not what they wanted to hear, even though, um, you know, they were well known for this. It's not like it, it, it's an open secret this particular place
3: how do you explain to somebody like because i've been in this situation right and you know i deal with people that are like oh you're just making this up it's Mm -hmm. not because you're a woman it's just like Mm. this is just you right like how do you explain to someone like you know i'll know what i'm talking about you encourage you know you know it's gendered you know it's sexist but it's like now the onus is on you to explain why that's the case like uh, how do we overcome that because it's this sort of Insidious thing that I think actually prevents us from sometimes just crashing those barriers down right because you have to first like prove that a crime has like I Mm -hmm, do you know mm -hmm. what I mean like there's there's something that is gendered there like what do you do in that situation
0: it's funny because like you know government officials love doing consultations they want to get the opinion (laughs) of Canadians as feel to get you know on assisted dying or whatever policy to see how it's going to impact them with stakeholder groups and what have you I don't see why that would be different in talking to just a person on a one-on-one because you're asking a group of stakeholders for their opinion on a policy but getting someone's opinion on you know a training program that is going to directly impact them why is it not the same did you, I'm I just like building on that point, like going back to your experience on like the bro
3: culture, did you ever feel like you could just go and insert yourself and be like, like, I, I want to be part of this group. Like what kind of prevented no, you from... No, because it
2: was senior management. Okay. And senior management, the way it's structured, well, it's such a hierarchy, right? Senior management, uh, I always spoke out in meetings. You know, I remember saying specifically in a staff meeting, there I was in the general staff meeting and it's early February, and I'm like, these fools aren't doing anything for Black History Month. I know it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm there, and they're talking, and they're talking. And I did have a question, but I prefaced the question by saying, happy Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And I looked straight at my ADM, and he fumbled. Mm-hmm. When I say fumbled, he was like, <laughs> 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 it's like, bro, that's okay. why. And the thing is, is that... Um, I know what you're saying. You're like, could I lean in? No. And that's the thing. Like, I don't want to put the
3: onus on you. I, I know. No, like, no, 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 like, no, no, no. No, no, no. I, I, I get it. But at the same time, like, how do you like cause
0: uh, But at the same time, you want to make them uncomfortable and like make sure that, y- you, so so that you want change. them to know that, you know.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you consistently make them uncomfortable, you don't get the projects anymore that are going to show you to senior management. You don't get you don't get the projects. You don't get the training. You don't get the mentorship. You don't get any of that.
3: Yeah. And I guess like I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm being
2: so bad today on saying (laughs) what I'm trying to say is
3: going back right again to the the, the front end of the show. Show up, follow up. Are there situations where you just can't show up? And is that like the actual definition of barrier?
0: I would say in your situation, uh, there were some mornings that they all of the guys in your your team would go and play hockey.
3: Yeah. Okay. so you can't show up.
0: No, you can't show up for hockey.
3: So I so my guys and guess who got promoted? Okay, so, <laughs> like so, so hockey is a big part of my caucus culture. Yeah. So I'd be like, I, I I just showed up. I'm like, I'm coming. I'm going to sit on the bench. Like, did you feel like you couldn't do it? Like, well, like, and again, I don't want to put it on I know, you. I'm I know. just more trying I to explore the culture,
2: right? I didn't feel... Uh, there is a strict um, delineation between management and, s- and Got it. And sure. Workers. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. And so the culture there was just... And it, it, the power structure, so the difference in power, the fact that these people wrote your performance review, you don't want to make those people uncomfortable, right? Um, those people wrote, um, would determine whether or not you got a raise, whether or not you got promoted, whether or not you... I remember. I remember this distinctly. Um. There was a woman, she had been given Oh Canada's economic action Plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, your oh favorite. God. Everybody's favorite. So now you kind of know where I work. Done. Got it. Yeah. Oh know? my
3: god. <laughs> yeah. De-de-loo.
2: Yeah. Well, whatever. It's my story. I it's my experience. I own. Yeah. I can say whatever the fuck I want to do yes, about you can. my goddamn experience. Thank you. Um so anyway. So for Canada's Economic Action Plan, they, um, they the powers that be, tasked um, a woman to do most of the Excel spreadsheets, and she happened to be Muslim. Okay. Wearing the hijab, like sure. visibly Muslim. They decided that they wanted this dude to move up the chain, so they took it from her and gave it to him. Mm. what yes and there's nothing she could have done about it
3: yeah i I, and that's fair like where i was going with this was okay you've lived this experience it's been deeply personal it's affected you Mm. like going back to the you know um show up follow up like what would your advice be to somebody who is following you Mm -hmm. in that situation and then what would your advice be to like people like me who are legislators, who, or, or, other pe- or even to the management, like the people in positions of power that are tasked with ba- breaking down those those They barriers have to be to accountable.
2: This is why I love a 360. Okay. They have to be accountable. I would love a 360 performance review and have that review tied to their bonuses. Oh, that's yeah.
3: interesting. Yeah,
2: I know that sounds so radical, but it's not because I really do believe in changing the incentive structure too. And when you change that incentive structure, when you know that you have to be held accountable right now in the public service, those senior managers are not accountable. Mm. They're not accountable for, to their staff, to the working level, for the most part. Um, there was a 360-degree performance review thing, um, and the management decided they didn't like it anymore, yeah. and then they got rid of it. They shouldn't have that. yeah
3: it
0: should be mandatory
2: it should be mandatory. the goal of a
3: 360 is that everybody is 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 coming out with a coachable moment and you're all growing right and you're resolving problems before they start i'm just thinking you know what you're saying there that's you asked me like what could amy you said like what could the party do Mm -hmm. i'm like oh okay maybe i should you know suggest this to my party right and Mm. you think about
0: it like you have you know events at departments where the minister comes and has coffee with you know they have a meeting and people can come and there's donuts and whatever But you can't say anything critical because your manager's there. Exactly, yeah. I went and
3: always went and talked to my program staff when I was in ministry.
0: Yeah. Mm
3: Because that's where the real stuff happens. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's that's where you're going to get
0: all of the real. Like my
3: ADMs and stuff, like when they saw me walk down, they're like, (gasps) where's she going? (laughs) (laughs) I would say
2: specifically to the public service too. But they were really good. I would say specifically to the public service that I don't think that management should be able to deny French training, because that is a I huge I didn't even know barrier. that was a possibility. Yeah, oh yeah, they, they can. It's discretionary. It's for discretionary. For them. discretionary. Yes. Okay. If, if this is. So, it,
3: so you can't be promoted unless you've got the French acquisition yes so it's literally a you picking winners and losers yes
1: yeah. Yes. It, it ends up being because you can't supervise people without having French training so it is immobili- was like a minister yeah. of the crown and yeah. I didn't know
0: that so yeah so that happened under the under DRAP We okay. made all of the it got rid of French non-imperative positions okay and which meant that you can go into a get a promotion or j- get a new job and not have the French levels. And you would have one year to get the levels. Yeah. And then you would lose your job if you didn't. But most people, I guess, got them.
3: And there was no discussion, like, around acquisition of le- language. And in now terms you of can apply for a job without having the necessity. levels.
0: And they will test you before you can get the job. Okay. And if you don't meet the requirement, then you cannot get it. Okay. And you huh. can't get training unless it's, like, very part-time. So, like, a couple hours a week. Or they deem you as some sort of person of importance so you can get full-time yeah you have to be
2: deemed a person of importance to get full-time French training and the part-time really doesn't work so in other words basically you're right it is picking winners and losers and guess who are the ones who got the French training
3: but it's like to me like the, the you know the liberal rebuttal would be like okay well let's just restore all the French training and stuff like that was there any you know effort to sort of look at okay well what career path do you need to you you absolutely need to have the levels or are there like you know if you're f- front facing like uh, like th- it's a tougher conversation to have and it's a different topic matter but yeah. you
2: well,
3: know this is something actually I think is it's it is worth talking about over time because because
2: right? g- guess what okay so I'm from, I'm from Alberta. And I'm from BC. Right? Oh,
3: what? Western Canada. <laughs> Amy is like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not from Ottawa, but I've been here long enough that it's embarrassing I don't speak better. But I'm <laughs> from Windsor, Ontario. Yeah. So.
2: yeah. so for all of us, um, we would need that training, right? So think about the diversity of conversation and ideas that is not being had at the senior level because it becomes very regionally based. So basically, a lot of the public service still and senior management is still very much from the from the Ottawa St. Lawrence corridor or the the St. Lawrence corridor. This
3: is like a whole other podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Like, no, no. But it's an important (laughs) one. Right. Because it's not just it's like you actually how do you get new ideas into the public service if it's just always career bureaucrats. Right. Yeah.
2: I don't, I don't. I don't know, know if I and believe I'm not in career bureaucracy anymore. I really do think that some more in and out of the public service. Would what? Be oh yeah. That's
3: controversial. scandalo. I tell you, you, I tell you <laughs> I'm like.
2: As I said, I'm neither liberal nor conservative. I vote on ideas. Yes. What? <laughs> That's <laughs> I, amazing. I know. Um, I think we have to go. Yeah, I've got bells being ringing.
3: Summoned. I'm literally being summoned. (laughs) See, I told
0: you. I I have a leisurely. Yeah, if
3: if you if if you guys could see this, who are listening? There's like flashing lights, like strobe light style, in my (laughs) ceiling, which tells me I have to go and vote.
1: It is a refreshing change from the actual
0: auditory bells. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's
3: cool. Um,
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. You
3: know what? No, thank the three of you, because I think it's so fantastic that you're putting your views out there and exploring some issues and putting voice to your your thoughts. So good on you. And I wish more women would do that, too.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, and this did come together because you had kind of expressed an interest because you were a fan of the podcast. So, I mean, thanks for just like saying, hey, I'll come on. I'll do it. Whatever. Awesome.
2: Thanks for showing up. I
0: showed
3: up (laughs) and then we need to like follow up with a glass of wine or something like that. So,
2: all right. I think that's cool. Cool. Thanks. All right.
0: So thanks to Michelle Rempel, the MP for Calgary Nose Hill for joining us today. Actually, I guess for letting us join her today since we were in her office for taking the time. Yeah. For showing up, for reaching out and Mm -hmm. for being a fan of the pod. Um, as always, you can get social with us, find us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, on Facebook.com slash Bad and uh Podcast, and email us questions. <laughs> Maybe we'll have some answers. I don't know that we will. and Who knows? But we do have our Dear Bitches column, so send us your advice, questions, and we'll try to answer them. That's it. At-
2: mm. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I fucked it up. You know what? I, w- I fucked it up, too, because I was about to I say it. I
0: realized that I hadn't it. said the email address yet. Uh, <laughs> oh.
1: So you fucked it up. <laughs> you <laughs> fucked I, it up. my preamble was too long.
0: <sighs> and you know what? Email us, uh, badmbepod at gmail.com, and we can answer your questions for our advice column. We can, I don't know, maybe you want us to speak at something. We do that, too.
2: We speak a lot.
0: <laughs> we have no shortage of words. No, <laughs> not at all. So, bad pot at gmail.com. Bye.
2: Bye. <laughs>